Story four of the Hotel d'Angleterre and Other Stories by Lenoy Falconer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story four Granny Lovelock at Home. The afternoon sun shot one bright broken spear of light through the lattice window. It gleamed in crimson and green fire on the fuchsias, snow white on Granny's cap and the pillows that supported her dull gold on the russet coils of ella's hair through the door set open to the summer air came scents of sweet familiar flowers but no clink of spade in the cottage gardens or a jar of heavy wheels upon the road and the tiny bassoon of one unresting bee boomed loud above the sabbath stillness na twana rain to-day observed granny and Gerge will just about enjoy ee's walk i feels of it being so tired along o me but there tis no good talkin for whatever can i do without em seein i've no power in me for to lift myself let alone git about and as to goin into the union as some folks seems to think why that i want it there's mrs bird uh, says uh, to me other day why granny you'd be wonderful comfortable there what i says along o them all and squallin babies to drive me pretty nigh wild i say and i wants a lot attendin to i does particularly nights when i don't close my eyes half the time often i be fossed to wait in george for un to come and set aside me for a little company like why mother i say the other night i ad but just a dropped off when you called me i feels pretty nigh wore out they say you be says i but tain't no use to complain for tis the lord doin i says and i will do what i as of mine too from where she sits propped up upon her little bed so close to the window granny looks out upon such a view as on the far-off frontiers of the empire they see in homesick dreams the little cots whose eaves drop almost to the flowers that cluster round them great bowers of verdure where the apples redden fields that the river keeps forever green and just behind the line of poplars a rim a ripple which only in the lowest lowland could be called a hill but of all this granny takes little heed if she even sees it her interests are purely human and as neither man woman nor child is to be seen on the road which winds from sedley court to vernon manor she turns to let her eyes rest on the slim figure of her visitor now gazing straight before her with rather a pensive look in her girlish eyes bain't very well be e to-day miss vernon oh yes thank you granny i am quite well e looks rather white you was tired i reckon bein out so long yesterday there was a great to do at sedley court weren't there miss vernon i did not go granny would you like me to read you a chapter in the bible do be sure there's the big bible on the green wool mat on their table just neath the little picture e didn't go now i thought i seed my lady and miss flora go by in the carriage without e and a wonderful lot went by too and de veres and the haywards and them new folks at the priory but e didn't go miss vernon no granny what chapter would you like me to read to you any chapter miss vernon you can't go wrong tis all good in the bible but i'm surprised you didn't go yesterday your two families the burdens and the sedleys was all as terrible friendly time out of mind i've a heerd my grandfather tell it 
Terrible friends they was, but fell out, they did, most years over the shootin'. Once I mind your grandfather, Sir Dacres, and the old Squire Sedley, they was so put out, one with t'other, that the Squire said ne'er a one o' his family would set foot no more in the court, and Sir Dacres said no more shouldn't hisn in the manor. And your aunt, Miss Georgina, was in a sad way, and so was Mr. Edward, as we called him. We allus looked for it that Mr. Edward would marry Miss Georgina, but they didn't, the old gents being so contrary. But Mr. Edward went off to furrin parts a fightin', and Miss Georgina took up and married with a gentleman in Yorkshire. Then come the news that Mr. Edward was killed in battle, and the old squire was pretty nigh broken-hearted, and Sir Dacres uh, rode straight over to the manor he did, and shook hands with him, and they was as pleasant and kind together as ever you see, till come September, and then they fell out again but lord bless ee they had terrible queer tempers both on em sir dacres he must have ees way in everything right or wrong and as to old squire if ever a one did cross he'd swear and holler to that degree you may heard on t'other side of the county but a kind-hearted gentleman ever i see and so they was all for i lived with one fust scullery maid and then still-room maid seven years till i married but seems to me the gentry is quieter nor they were and more sense with one too there's young mr henry sedley come in here t'other day and spoke as civil as ere a one granny i says do you know if miss vannon's is the village she have but just gone from here i says she be gone up to old job monks thank you granny he says and have you believe me he gave me a half a sovereign just about a nice young gent i call him shall i read you the twenty-third psalm granny if you please tis a beautiful psalm and no mistake why here be all the chapel folks come out a-ready and mrs sims as smart as if it was with jit trimmin on her mantle and big red rose stuck atop of her hat and the children with parasols ever one on and lord a massy there's that gal of the smiths just come home from service with sleeves blown out atop just like yourn miss vernon Pon my word, I don't know what poor folks be a comin' to. They're deal smarter work days now than there was a Sundays when I was a gal. But law to be sure, if that bant young Meester Sedley a comin' down the road and a smartish pace too, the young gent can step out when he's a mind to. I reckon he's goin' straight to the manor, Miss Vernon. No, I bant neither. He's a comin' in here, I do believe and indeed at that very instant the doorway was darkened by a big broad-shouldered young man who paused suddenly on the threshold as he met ella's eye just as if he had not expected to see her there i am afraid i intrude he began with very distant politeness lord bless ee no come in mr sedley tis only miss vernon a-readin at a bible she be good enough to come and zet while along me most sunday afternoons while my son takes his walk come in mr sedley do ee i be allus pleased to see one o your family good friends they was to me and mine in the old time there are some people granny replied mr henry sedley icily as accepting the invitation he took off his hat who don't care for old friends ay that's true you may depend on it i've a-lived in this row ten years come next michaelmas and if you'll believe me not one o the neighbours drops in for to zee me mrs tibb she come in yesterday the first time since ever i was took bad la i says tis wonderful to zee you i s'pose she ain't got no company at home to-night 
And there are some people, Granny," remarked Ella, in the same key as Henry Sedley, "who don't show very much consideration for their old friends' feelings when they do meet them." "No more they don't, Miss Van, and that's sartin true. Some folks ain't got no more feelin' in 'em than that there skittle. There's Missus Beard, eh? Says to me as I had a lot to be thankful for, 'cause I wasn't nigh so bad as Job Monk as can't sleep night nor day with the pine in his legs and don't dare take no sleepin' stuff cause i ease hot why that's a pretty lot to be thankful for that is who knows what i suffers a lyin here and can't do so much as a piece of needlework but why don't you do it down mr enry miss bunnam my dear if you was to take your chair back a bit mr enry could set down beside ye this is by no means in accord with miss vernon's own intention or desire but there is nothing left to do seeing it is the mistress of the house but submit willingly or unwillingly to her decree it is very warm in the cottage for a wood fire burns in the huge chimney-place heating the kettle for afternoon tea granny has yawned more than once lately and now somewhat sleepily contemplates her young guests sitting stiffly on their chairs and showing no disposition to entertain each other tis like old times to see you two for you features your uncle edward wonderful mr enery and miss vernon is as like her aunt georgina as two pays and her hair too just the same took up high in the back and ringlets in front good to the poor they was too and zo was you all vernons and sedleys many a time i's a seen miss georgina go by with her little basket just like miss vernon there and mr edward i've a zine too fine a fine upstanding zot granny was asleep they heard her regular breathing and the loud tick of the pendulum that swung beneath the painted clock outside not a sound even the bee had yielded to that all-pervading all-persuasive silence and was taking his rest with the others and uh, now perhaps miss vernon i may hush don't speak so loud you will waken granny as it is impossible to be sardonic in a whisper he was compelled to change his tone well then ella i think you owe me an explanation why after promising to come to our tennis meeting yesterday did you never turn up after all i never promised i would go you never did you not say on thursday afternoon when i was mending your racket that you would let me take you in to tea well of course i meant i should do so if i went to your party oh ella it is too bad you know very well you made me believe you were coming well so i should have gone if you had behaved nicely pray how did i not behave nicely well i hear that after dinner on thursday you went on in a most extraordinary way why who has dared now don't speak disrespectfully it was papa oh indeed and pray what did papa say i cannot answer you if you speak in that horrible tone i beg your pardon what did sir william vernon accuse me of i don't know that i ever saw you so disagreeable as you are to-day well i don't find you as pleasant as i could wish but what did your father say well he said you talked in a wild radical sort of way about everything 
and that you wished to take all the land away from the landowners and give it to the poor oh did he then all i can say is that he told i mean he gave an entirely wrong impression of what i did say i only said that the transfer of land should be made easy so that those who wanted to sell and those who wanted to buy might do so ah i don't pretend to understand politics but i dare say it comes to much the same thing in the end but it made papa very cross indeed and i have asked you over and over again not to talk in that kind of way to him you know it always makes him angry but my dearest ella if he asks me my opinion point-blank how can i refuse to give it but if you wouldn't talk politics with him he wouldn't ask your opinion about them he began it not i but you should change the subject mamma and i always do directly he talks of politics or manorial rights did you not notice that very night at dessert when he began talking about the disestablishment of the church mamma said what a beautiful altar-cloth mrs lee was working yes and what was the consequence after you left the room he said there was no having any rational conversation with women present and at once started the subject of land tenure and i dare say you were ready enough to contradict him i never saw any one so fond of arguing in my life you see you argue even with me if i would argue with you but i won't for i think it's so silly especially about things that are of no real consequence and all i can say is that you made papa very angry and he said after you had gone that he thought cambridge had quite spoilt you and that mr charles hayward was much superior to you and he wrote to him next day and offered him a day's fishing indeed and may i ask what day hayward came over he came over yesterday and oh he did did he replied henry suddenly changing from a very hurried to a very slow and emphatic delivery now i understand it all clearly you might just as well have said frankly instead of inventing so many excuses that you did not condescend to come to our meeting yesterday because you were more agreeably employed at home because you preferred mr hayward's society to if you only came in here to insult me i think you had better go away i don't see that you have any right to turn me out of another person's house still of course if my presence is hateful to you i will remove it long since forgetful of their hostess's slumbers they had raised their voices above the first well-chosen pitch and the crash with which henry now put back his chair was quite enough to rouse her oh 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 cried granny awaking whatever shall i do i be slept entirely on one side and i've got a cramp in that arm so bad i don't know how to bear myself let me lift you up again granny cried ella rising lord bless you you couldn't left me there's not a many can i be a smartish white and i can tell ee there's mrs bunn catched old on me the other day and pretty nigh let me drap holla i did jest about let me lift you granny said henry i'll not let you drop when my mother was ill i used often to lift her and she said i did it as well as the nurse 
very gently then if you please master henry for my poor arm there is tender and miss vernon my dear so soon as ever mr henry shets me do he put the pillow strike a more untimely interruption never was for how was it possible while thus engaged to maintain that lofty dignity of bearing which both had at once assumed to do them justice they forgot their wrongs till their task was accomplished and then why then one at least of the offended twain was in a different mood actions are sometimes more eloquent than words which is fortunate since so many people like ella are indifferent to oratory and impervious to reason and as she watched the deft tenderness with which the strong young arms raised the old and helpless frame it was borne in upon her that there are qualities which like charity cover many sins even the cherishing of heretical opinions and the still more blameworthy habit of unseasonably proclaiming them so when granny being settled as she would be he looked up prepared to meet a contemptuous glance with one equally scornful he encountered instead a bright and indulgent smile none the less delightful because it was completely incomprehensible and bewildering to him and his resentment and his jealousy were instantly forgotten i was pretty nigh asleep when i come to slep so what was you a-sayin to me master annery oh i was only telling miss vernon as i do again that i never said i wanted to take all the land from the rich and give to the poor lord a mercy save my art alive what ever makes folks that such tales about and no reason in it neither for whatever should us do with it why there were some poor silly chaps here as can't do such as keep their lotments tidy tis like that man as come here a preachin at the corner just opposite the public says we don't want squires no more and tis all very well for the likes o e i says as o as so much as ever a wants to ate and drank i says and spreein all over the country af east time but what ud come to as poor sick folk ef there weren't no gentry we shouldn't have nothin but the parish and that wouldn't keep any one alive why ef it wasn't twere the beef and the milk i gets from my lady and the wine and soup i gets from the pisons and little bits o puddin one and the other gives me why i should be entirely starved and what i say granny said ella is that i dare say it was all a mistake and i believe if he tells me so that he never said anything of the kind but i do think that where people differ especially young people and old people it is much better not to talk politics at all uh, to be sure miss vernon and that's what i says a many times to judge when i wants to argify with me and i says you young folks cause you've had a bit of schoolin and you can set up a readin the newspapers you thinks a wonderful deal of yourselves but i tell you what it is i says you're a poor weak sort to what your grandfathers was why they could do more work on bread and turnips than ever you can on bacon and eggs and butter and so they could miss vernon added granny yawning i can't think what's come o them can't do this can't do that mustn't work no more than eight hours i ain't no patience with such ways i ain't tell ye her head dropped forward a little uh, granny was asleep once more and again they felt over all things that wonderful and unspeakable quiet like the shadow of some beloved presence blessing and healing all the wayworn world it soothed even the eager beating of their young hearts 
and they did not speak, but his arm stole gently round her, and she lifted her fresh young lips to his, and in one long kiss was lost and forgotten the last feud of the Sedleys and Vernons. Bible reading? No, there wa'n't no Bible reading. Bless you, Miss Vernon, she talks right on in till Mr. Henry come in, and then they said a courtin', but, George, you just hustle about a bit. I wants my tea, bad I do. End of story four.